Hello and welcome to the Success Secret Podcast with Ross Hussain Talib. I am excited to introduce you to a series of conversations with some of the most successful and inspiring individuals from various industries. My aim is to dive into the stories behind their success and explore the knowledge, strategies, habits, mindsets, and wisdom that have propelled their success. Each episode of the Success Secret Podcast will feature a different guest who will share their unique journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons they have learned along the way. I will also be covering topics from entrepreneurship and innovation to leadership and personal development. Whether you are an inspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or just someone looking to improve your life, the Success Secret Podcast is for you. My goal is to bring you valuable insights and inspiration that will help you achieve your own success in business and life. So get ready to learn and be inspired. The Success Secret Podcast starts now. Hello, Success Secret Nation, and welcome to this new episode of the Success Secret Podcast. I'm here with Professor Pete Alexander. He is a stress management specialist. So, Pete, in this episode, we are going to be talking about stress, how dealing with how to deal with stress, and managing stress. Why you started dealing and studying and helping people dealing with stress. Sure. And Hussein, thank you so much for having me on the show. And I really appreciate everybody who's connecting live and listening to the uh, the recording. Uh, for me, stress, basically, uh, it's been a lifelong journey. And uh, I, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family that had an enormous amount of stress. And I never managed it well. I just tried to hide from it more than anything else, trying to ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, like many of us do. And uh, it wasn't until my mid-40s when um, the stress started really showing uh, its damaging effects on me. Uh, in fact, in 2008, uh, I had a perfect storm of very stressful things going on, both personally and professionally. And what ended up happening is I was diagnosed with stress-induced diabetes, and diabetes does not run in my family, and it uh, was something that, you know, I, I saw, okay, fine, um, I was losing weight very rapidly, and I wasn't dieting, and like so many entrepreneurs, when they told me that I had the diabetes, I just said, okay, fine, give me whatever I need, I, I don't have time to deal with this. And so what I continued to do is I kept burning the candle at both ends for another 10 years uh, until I ended up in the emergency room with a severe case of diabetic ketoacidosis. And for those uh, watching and listening, yeah. So what that is in simplest terms, my body was eating itself alive because of my stress. And as a diabetic, my uh, sugars were so high when I was when I was admitted uh, to the hospital. My blood sugars were so high that they could not read them with the normal equipment. They had to the laboratory had to manually estimate how high I was. They estimated uh, me to be eight to ten times higher than normal, and then I got transferred to ICU. And I'd never been in ICU before. Mm. And the doctors told me that had I not come in when I did uh, into the emergency room, I would have been comatose in another hour. And all of this was because I was stressing out about my work. I had a very high 
high profile project I was working on. But here's the crazy thing. So this is in 2018. And on my second day in ICU, my, my supervisor at this time knew that I was in emergency room and in the ICU. I get a text. And this text says at about six o'clock in the morning, says, you have a webinar, you need to run at eight o'clock. What are you going to do about it? And instead of saying, uh, you know, I don't have my work laptop in the ICU, they don't let you keep that stuff, that equipment there. I had my phone. I started trying to reschedule this webinar, pushing the boundaries of my phone. The nurse who was Uh, keeping track of me at that time. She comes over, she checks my blood and my numbers finally, I mean, so my numbers were estimated to be close to a thousand for blood glucose numbers, which is horrible, very high. I mean, normal, normal range is 80 to a hundred. That's what you want to be in. I'm at a thousand or very close to it. So Fortunately, over the last two days in the ICU, my numbers had come down to more reasonable. They were higher, but they were more reasonable. They were in the high 100s. As soon as I'm sitting here trying to reschedule this webinar, she comes, she checks my blood. My numbers skyrocketed straight back up. Mm. And she says to me very, you know, nonchalantly, she says, You realize. That's what puts you in this hospital bed in the first place. And I knew I had known over the last 10, 15 years, you know, all these different things that were happening to me physically and my burnout, that I knew that I was stressed out. But it took pretty much a complete stranger to tell me something that went, oh boy, I need to change this. Otherwise, I'm trading my career for my health. Your and, life, basically. Yeah, my life, basically. So, so when, when you are giving your health away because of your career or other responsibilities, that is a horrible trade because once we lose our health, we're not going to be Can't good for anything. anything else. No, that's the thing. I, and whenever, whenever somebody says, oh, well, I don't have time, I need to take care of this. I say, well, think about, the last time that you were really sick, let's say with the flu or something, did you feel like doing anything other than lying in bed? And they'll say no. <laughs> and then I said, okay, so if all you can do, the only energy you have is to lie in bed, what good are you to your business, your job, your career, the people who are important to you? Nothing. So health is so paramount. Mm, so after, yeah. after I realized this, I, uh, the next couple of days, uh, as I finished up my ICU prac, uh, 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 stay, I thought I got to do something about this. And, um, I decided that I was going to just get out of that role. Um, so I resigned the day after I got out of the, co- of, of the hospital. And then I started, uh, looking for different ways that I could reduce my stress. And I found a lot. I've, I'm, I've discovered probably 150 different ones. And a lot of them, the vast majority of them work. Some of them don't work for me, but you know, I started applying these. Mm-hmm. And this is what, what's really amazing. 
I noticed that as I was applying this and focusing on my health for the first time in my life, as you know, as basically a, I was in my mid fifties, I saw not only did my stress go down, my weight came down, my glucose numbers as a diabetic went down, and my energy went way, way up. And and the craziest thing of all is if you were to see a picture of me in 2008 when I got the stress-induced diabetes, and you see a picture of me now, with the exception of a little bit more gray hair, I look younger today than I did back in 2008. That is crazy. That's what really? stress does to us. So, so now you had the situation when you, with you, with you and your family when you were a kid, a child, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this happens to a lot of people. Uh, whether whether it's between the mother and the father, mm-hmm. whether it's regards about the money, the situation, it's a lot of things that get in in families. There's a lot of situation within the family that happens that affects the children. But mm-hmm. that that goes to is all stress bad or there's some kind of a stress that is not really bad <laughs> because you're speaking here about your health, your weight, uh, a lot of things happen to you. And um, you're you, you basically saying that we as a human say we want to stay at this job, at this work, getting us from our back and pulling us backwards and our health is, is, is down the drain, I guess. So mm-hmm. is all stress bad? It's a very good question. No, actually, we need certain types of stress to get things done. So mm-hmm. if we're competitive, you know, we're going to stress ourselves to win. And the key is to think about what it is that is stressing you out. And in my research, what I found is that there is good stress and bad stress. Good stress, like, you know, if we're competitive, and we're doing something that we like, or we're passionate about, or we're excited about, that stress is fine because we're doing something that we want to do. Mm. But where stress is very, very negative to us is in two different ways. One is called ruminating. And that means that we're worried about something in the past, Mm. either, you know, and often guilt is very common here. So maybe we are guilty about either something we did or something we didn't do in the past. This is is keeps us our mind in the the place where it repeats constantly. Yes, exactly. And the problem is when we keep doing this, we let this churn and it does us no good inside our bodies. It just keeps on uh, uh, keeping that negative energy inside of us. What we should do about something that happened in the past or didn't happen about the past is to take the positive learnings from that. So maybe you know that you would do something different if it came up again. So you take the positive learnings and you let the rest of it go because the reality is it's in the past. We cannot change it. Mm-hmm. So why beat ourselves up? So that that's one. And then the other one is anxiety about something in the future. So for example, let's say that we're worried about uh, something, maybe, um, maybe our company, you know, we're an employee and the company has, there's rumors that we're going to, the company's going to have layoffs and you sit there and you worry, oh, I'm going to get laid off. I'm going to get laid off. Well, how do you know that? 
and let, you know, until you get that, that, um, that message, or let's say that, um, you're going for an interview for a new job. And instead of thinking this is exciting and uh, I'm really, really want this to be something good. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be terrible in the interview. The problem is when we have anxiety about something in the future and we think about the worst case scenario, we tend to manifest that because Mm -hmm. we're putting all of our energy in that future event. And if we're not thinking about it on the positive, it's going to churn inside of us again. And often we will manifest that negative outcome. So a great way to try and deal with this is let's say, um, let's say, you know, since we were talking about an interview or, you know, getting, you know, thinking that we're going to get laid off. What I always recommend is think about 30 seconds after either that interview is done or let's say that you're worried about getting laid off and 30 seconds after you get the message that you're not going to get laid off. And in fact, you're going to get promoted or your interview. You've done so well that the hiring manager says, we, when can you start? Think about it like that. Put, project that into the future and inside it will manifest so much more easily on our bodies. So if we can just eliminate the ruminating about the past and anxiety about something in the future that may or may not happen, all other stress, it'll be a piece of cake to deal yeah. with. So we as know. humans, we should not put ourselves in a place or try to think of things that we cannot actually control of. Like, for example, Correct. traffic. When we are in traffic, we keep honking and these kind of things. This is when there is traffic, we cannot, you can't control. You You no. are, cannot turn your car into a plane or a helicopter chopper and fly to your home or whatever. So that's one thing. The other thing is you're talking here about energy because when we are stressed as humans and we are thinking about the situation, whether it happened or it's going to happen, our energy drops off a lot. So we are not doing doing anything and we are only thinking and sitting down about what is going to happen or what is going to happen to me. So that, that's, that's, a, that's a bad thing. So how we can spot the stress early on so we can tackle it immediately instead of it gambles on dry and stays inside of us and start thinking and building and building? Yes, it's a very good question. So early on, what will end up happening on, um, for our bodies, you know, our bodies and our minds are going to give us some signals early on. I mean, because that's what our bodies, our bodies are very, very smart. And so what's going to happen is we're going to have um, indicators either that we're mentally or physically stressed. So mentally, it might be something like a lack of concentration instead of being able to focus on something. Or maybe it's a mood swing that you've never had before, where you go from happy to sad or angry at a moment's notice. Or, you know, we're talking about anxiety earlier. You're starting to get some anxiety or a panic attack about something in the future. Or uh, something like uh, prescription drug or alcohol addiction. These are indicators that you are mentally stressed. So if you have any of those, that is a clear indicator. Physically, what will end up happening is we, the first thing that will happen is for most of us is we'll get 
shoulder or back stiffness. And mm. the reason that we have that is so many of us will be sitting at a desk for our work. And what ends up happening, think about when you've been stressed, our bodies tend to start to hunch over yeah. and that's a strain on our back and our shoulders. So that's going to be an early one. Things like um, not either excessive or not enough sleep, that's going to be a, uh, an indicator because not a, not a normal sleep pattern. Um, we might have digestive disorders where no amount of the pink, pink Pepto-Bismol is working. It just, it's just not happening. Or we are reaching for aspirin or um, Tylenol every day or every other day instead of occasionally because we're getting headaches all the time. Mm. Those are ones that are very common for us to, you know, early on, if we're stressed, our body's going to give us one or more of those indicators. What happens is if we ignore any of those signals, our bodies have to keep raising the issue until you pay attention. And in my case, it went on for years until the best way to say it is the weakest link in the, in the chain of my body was my pancreas. My pancreas shut down. And so now I've got this chronic disease for the rest of my life because I didn't manage my stress. And what happens is doctors, if, if, if I was to ask a medical doctor, I said, did my diabetes give me, I mean, sorry, did my stress give uh, my diabetes, give me my diabetes? Technically, that is not accurate. Mm -hmm. What happens is when we are stressed and we're stressed over and over and over again, which happens to us because mentally we're worried about something. What ends up happening is we keep on dropping cortisol, adrenaline into our bodies unnecessarily. And it starts breaking down, our, down uh, uh, in our organs. And what ends up happening is cellular inflammation. And that cellular inflammation inside of our bodies is what leads to chronic disease. In mm -hmm. my case, it was diabetes, heart disease, cancer, you name it, strokes. So what we want, you know, but, but if I was to tell you, you know, Hussein, oh, you got to take care of your stress because it causes cellular inflammation. You go, well, yeah, whatever. What does that mean? <laughs> so, but you know, that cellular inflammation is the chronic disease maker. And so that's why, you know, I just, you know, cut to the chase and say, if you don't manage your stress, your body's going to keep raising yeah. the bar until something is going to break down. There is a lot of things that uh, come after stress, like you mentioned, not sleeping well, which is completely another issue or another problem for a lot of people. Also, like we mentioned, energy. When you, when actually, when you're not sleeping well, your energy level drops the next day. Absolutely. So it's like a, uh, it's like a big umbrella of things that could lead to worse things along the way uh, if you don't deal with it immediately or as soon as mm -hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and it. You know, and it can be multiple things. As you said, uh, it's an umbrella. You know, the things that I listed out, um, you know, when I, before I was diagnosed with stress-induced diabetes, easily I had three or four of those happening at the same time. And my body itself, I actually, um, 
my back even locked up and I couldn't sit or stand. And yet I kept on pushing, pushing, pushing. And it's like, why did my back lock up? It's just, it's, it's, it's your body saying, okay, you here, I'm going to keep putting it higher and higher until you pay attention to this. And, um, you know, it was really when I started losing the weight at first, even that I didn't mind because I was in my mid forties and I was losing weight for the first time since my twenties. And I wasn't, I wasn't uh, dieting. I, you know, I wasn't doing any special exercise. I was doing the same exercise I'd been doing before and the weight kept, kept coming off. And then when the 30th pound came off, excuse me, when the 30th pound came off in 30 days, that's when I went, "Uh Oh, I better check this out. Cause I thought I had, I, I, I knew there was something wrong and the blood, blood work came right back and said, Oh yeah, you've got diabetes. You know, and so, so so how do you work with your clients and engage with them in a in a way that they can eliminate stress as fast as possible? Mm-hmm. In, in steps. So, in steps. So basically, what we do is we, uh, you know, I meet with them and I I understand that you know what's going on with them right now. What led them to decide? Okay, you know, they realize that stress is continuing in their lives and they're not handling it well. I try and uh, determine from there, what is it that is stressing them out? And this is on a weekly basis. We talk, you know, and, and, and uh, come up with different strategies, but depending on what's going on, like, you know, I'll have clients who are so, you know, that they, they immediately start applying all different techniques, you know, depending on what's going on in their lives, but they have to experiment with them first because like in in you know the book that I wrote here, Lighten Your Day, this one, um, there's 125 different techniques in there. And you could pick one, Hussein, and it might work for you, and it may not work for me, and vice versa. So what what uh based on what is going on, if 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 it's their career that they're uh, worried about and something's going on there, if it's their relationships, if it's their health, if it's time management, whatever it is, there's very specific things that can be tried. And we go from there to see what works, what doesn't. And then on a week-to-week basis, basically things happen. So like I remember um, uh, one, well, this is you know, a couple of different clients, you know, they're they're going everything is going really well and they're either feeling great. And then something happens either personally or something that just gets slams them. And then they go, why did I react that way? And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help them gain new habits because we're not going to um, be able to implement things long-term unless we create a habit with it. And the habit, yeah. So a habit has to be in, you know, the shortest amount of time, mostly for a habit is going to be 21 days, but it's typically going to be anywhere from 21 days to two months of doing it regularly. And so what I always recommend to to my clients and those that I, I engage with is when you find a technique that a stress relief technique that works, use it regularly. 
not only when you're stressed, use it regularly, get into a habit. Because even if it's a couple minutes a day, if you use that every day and make it a habit, the compound benefits over time will be enormous, even with Mm -hmm. just two minutes a day. But you have to start and you have to make it a habit. That's the key because, you know, if, uh, you know, I have all these different techniques that I can utilize with my clients and with myself, but, you know, if, if it's something where it needs to be used over and over again to have its fullest benefit, Mm -hmm. if you do it just once, it may make you feel a little bit better, but it won't have a long-term benefit. So Mm -hmm. I always recommend people find at least one thing that works for them. Yeah. So do do you think some people would consider being stressed all the time is a habit, like because they're used to like being stressed all the time. So they're used to being stressed all the time. So you know what I mean. So so that that would be could be a habit in itself. Absolutely. If they are not stressed every every day, they are they are not who they are. They are these kind of people that are. Uh, angry in some minutes or hours in the day they treat people usually not nicely so these people could be stressed right absolutely and you know there's going to be certain people who will never listen until they end up having a situation like i i experienced where you know they have a, a health scare um and may in that sadly that is a lot of people because they think, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm stressed and that's just who I am. But you're right. If somebody is angry and they're frequently angry, there's something that is causing that. And if they are willing to be able to kind of explore that more and find out where does that come from? It could be, you know, we're talking about childhood. It could be a learned behavior from a parent. Exactly. This could, is what yeah, 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 yeah. It does, and people don't realize um, that you know our formidable years, you know, up to seven, eight, eight years old, are enormously influential on who we become as people. And if uh, you know, if let's say our role model, um, our mother or our father, was somebody who was always angry and stuff that might be a role that we feel that we need to be because, oh, okay, that's what mom and dad did or mom or dad did. And it's like just a normal behavior. I, I experienced it um, because of my dysfunctional family. I didn't know until my mid twenties when I was dating that I was being attracted to dysfunctional people mm-hmm. because that was my learned behavior. I was more comfortable around dysfunctional people because I didn't know better. And then I started doing personal work on myself uh, in regards to dysfunctional families. And I realized, oh my gosh, there actually are other people in this world that experience the same thing as me. And there's ways that we can, you know, take care of that. Like, for example, becoming our own loving parent. And that is a powerful thing. It's, it's all about finding something that you can resonate with and be able to, you know, explore that, learn from that and apply it. That's the other thing. Cause so many people I've seen who 
have the opportunity to become more happy, they decide not to apply it. They mm -hmm. just they just want to listen and complain. And there's a lot of people that you know that you'll you know I'm sure your listeners have done this. I'm sure you have. There's people in your life who are just chronic complainers. Yeah, they just complain. Yeah, exactly. They don't take care of it. Yeah, even if the, if it's a good thing, they, they complain about it because they want more for it. So yes, yeah, we yep. uh, okay. We we are as humans, we always want more of everything. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. But you have to be also some kind of grateful for what you have and what you are getting. So, Absolutely. what do you think? Some of the best activities, or let's say maybe hobbies, like for example, reading or doing mm -hmm. some sports, running or whatever it is, is important piece of this and having stress because sometimes. Uh, some people uh, they, they don't do anything we just uh, work 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 and that's it yeah yeah so it's a great you you mentioned several of them and you've mentioned my number one favorite which is gratitude because you don't have to be just gra grateful for let's say where you live or a car that you might have or your large salary that you're getting from your job being gr having gratitude for the little things changes your mindset. So my wife and I, for example, every night before we go to bed, I ask her, what are you grateful for today? And she asks me the same thing. I always start mine with, I'm grateful for my health because all else is secondary. Without my health, nothing else matters. And then I recap things like, I had a, a wonderful conversation with one of my kids, or uh, I went for a walk and enjoyed that, or I had a conversation or with a friend or something at work, uh, you know, I really liked or, you know, something, something that isn't, you know, excessive, that is, you know, showing uh, gratitude. And I, it's a habit. I don't even have to think about it. It automatically happens every night for us. The another one that I love, you know, if, if you like running exercise, that's great, because you can burn a lot of stress through exercise. But even if you're not a, you know, somebody who wants to go out there and work in the gym or, or um, go for a run, if you can go even for a short walk, and I'm talking about five minutes, if you can go for a walk in nature, that your phone, huge... social media. exactly. I was just getting to that. Mm -hmm. So you, you did, you know, you detox a bit from that technology because mm -hmm. What happens is, let's say we go to a park and we want to walk for 10 minutes. Well, if we're sitting there going through our texts, going through our emails, or having to have a call with somebody, we're not present with nature. But if we can get out and just be outside and hopefully in a little bit of greenery, something that that where we can reconnect, um, that makes a huge, huge difference. And, and being in nature is another one of my favorites. In fact, a huge thing that we can do that even if we don't want to go for a walk, if you have some dirt or grass or sand outside of wherever you live, if you go outside and you take off your shoes and you let your feet get into the grass, the dirt, Whoa. the sand that is reconnecting with the earth. And it's, it's, it's called earthing 
that is something that's a grounding exercise that can help you calm down. Again, as we were talking about earlier, not with your phone and scrolling your phone at the same time, just do it for a few minutes. It's amazing the difference that that can have. And, you know, there's so many different things that we can do that are not difficult to do that we can do at any time just to help ourselves ground and be more, you know, more, more uh, present with the current surroundings. One thing that it always amazes me now. And and now that we're, you know, on the tail end of the whole COVID thing, I, I always took eating in a restaurant for granted because mm-hmm. it's just, it's, you know, they're there, right? So it's not, you know, I, it, I never had an issue where, you know, I couldn't go to a restaurant, you know, even if it's a fast food restaurant, I, you know, I never, it, it wasn't like that, that you can't go. But now when I see people who, let's say a couple is at the dinner table and instead of having a conversation with each other, what are they doing? They're sitting on their phones. Yeah. And I think about that and I think, why did you bother coming to the restaurant? You could have just gotten takeout if that's all you're going to do. Right. And so I always recommend to, if you're going to have dinner or lunch, or breakfast with somebody important. So that, you know, family member, somebody that you like, friend, you know, coworker that's important to you. You should have your whole attention with them. It's not exactly, exactly. Turn the phone off. Turn because what does it what does it say to the other person if they're talking to you and all of a sudden you go, oh, wait a minute, and you look at that, it tells the other person that what whoever just sent you that message is more important than them. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Mm. So, uh, Pete, do you think that we have missed something that we did not talk about that is important to help people uh, relieve stress in their lives? Well, you know, there's one that um, is very frequent um, that comes up, uh, especially for business people, where they're worried about a conversation that they have to have a difficult conversation. Um, They might, uh, or or a very common one that I see is the fear of um, public speaking. You have to give a presentation. And as we were talking about earlier, you know, having anxiety about something in the future, you know, this worry of, uh, of a difficult conversation going wrong or giving a presentation and doing terrible at it. So there's a very simple activity that is wonderful grounding that you can do um, five minutes, one minute before the presentation. And so basically um, what it's called is, uh, it's called Hakalau. And Hakalau is a light meditation that comes from the Hawaiian culture. And what it's designed to do is ground us and calm us. And so what we can do, we can either be standing or sitting. And what we do is we focus on a stationary object in our vision, hopefully a little bit higher than normal, just straight ahead. So if you find something that's on the wall, a stationary object that you can stare at and you just focus all of your attention on that spot. And as you stare at that spot, 
what you'll notice is that all of a sudden the focus of your vision starts to spread out and you start taking in the peripheral. And as the peripheral starts to become in focus, you just kind of take in that peripheral vision and focus as much of your energy on that peripheral vision. And you let yourself stay in this state for 10, 15 seconds, 20, 25, whatever feels right to you. And when it's you're done with looking at your peripheral, you close your eyes, you open your eyes back up, and you'll notice that you're much more calm and in a better frame for doing a fantastic presentation for your audience or having the right frame of mind for that conversation that you're about to have. Mm -hmm. So, and that only takes about a minute. And so you can do that right before you come into the room, right before you get on stage or right before you pick up the phone to call that person that you have to have that conversation with. It's a very, very powerful activity that you yeah, can do. It's amazing. Actually, I have, I have done that, but sometimes what I do is I, I look at the, like for example, if there is some kind of landscape or sky, look at the sky because yep. the sky there is nothing to basically look at except the sky, the whole sky itself. Exactly. So basically, yes. when you look at it, like for ten seconds, or it's like it, it, things goes away. You don't stress about certain things, even if it stays for you for like at least some time for the day. You can release these bad thoughts or this stress. So it's a it's a very good thing that actually to do, yeah. It is, um, and I, I I'm a big fan of cloud watching. Yeah, because if the clouds are moving just slowly, and that's it, you're just staring at one spot. But think about like let's say if while you were looking at the sky and then you see a bird flying this way, if you follow <laughs> that bird, then all of a sudden you're out of that that uh, that grounding. So that's why you want to be able to just focus on something that either isn't moving or very <laughs> slow movement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, it's, it's not like, yeah, it's exactly it's, with the noise also. So. <laughs> exactly, and that's you know it's so funny because uh, I've done the same thing you you've done where I've been. Um, like on a, a beach and I'm looking at the sky and enjoying the, 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 the uh, clouds. And inevitably I'll get somebody who'll come up and start talking to me. And, you know, of course that's going to distract me, but it's like, Oh, I wish, wish, you know, I could have had longer. And uh, it's, it is, it's, it's just a, it, you know, if we just take the time to be present, it is amazing how easily we can de-stress ourselves. But mm -hmm. when when we when we just focus on, oh, I got to get this done, I got to get that done, this, this, boom, boom, boom. And we multitask about that, trying to get all of it done. Nothing the problem is nothing gets done well. That's the problem that you know you can you're just busy. That's it. Exactly. Nothing gets done. You're just looking looking busy, but you're actually not, not really achieving your goals that the task or the task or your to-do list or whatever that you want to call it and it drains your energy like and, and yep. the next day you look and you repeat the same thing so that's very calming to do and just drain away the thoughts and 
focus on one thing and do it because multitasking like me personally if you're gonna multitask what uh, is it that you are going to multitask about so there is a lot of things things that require your focus to actually do you need to focus on one thing and finish that if you multitask you won't achieve any of the things that you achieve you put especially if they are like maybe 10 things that you want to do so it's it's a lot Nobody can multitask. I think no, 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 no men or women can do that. So I don't know. They speak about women can multitask, but it, it, I have seen men multitask better than women. So I don't know. <laughs> it's and you're absolutely right. In fact, I remember reading an article, a study actually on this, um, where they showed that if someone can focus on one thing, they can give 100% attention to that one project. But as we start to add different things that we're working on at the same time, the multitasking, the wasted energy becomes enormous. And in fact, what the the study showed was that the typical, let's say manager, the typical manager had five things they were working on at one time. And what ended up happening is they studied these people and they found that those people who had five projects that they had to work on all you know throughout the day they were only being able to give 4% of their mind share throughout the day to each of those projects and the reason being is because when we when we go from one project to another or let's say somebody distracts us comes into our office or calls us up and has some other thing that they want us to apply our attention to there is this, so you're working on one thing, all of a sudden you have to ramp down from whatever you were working on. Now you have to start concentrating on whatever that other thing is. There's wasted time there. So every time we have to transition from one thing to another, we lose our mental uh, attention and time. So if we have five things that we're working on, typically 80%, 80 of our mental capacity is wasted in that transition phase. So that leaves only 20% for those five projects, which gives us the 4% to each project of our mental capacity. And it's, it's, it just shows that, that, and that's both, you know, those, the managers were both males and females. So it wasn't, you know, one, one gender that shows that multitasking doesn't work. It does only shows other people that you're busy. That's it. Having momentum is very important because mm-hmm. when you have momentum, you will finish faster and will keep you focused on the target. Absolutely. Like you mentioned doing multiple things, you will never have momentum. You will never achieve mm-hmm. what is it that you are looking to achieve. So, right. Professor Pete, uh, where can people get in touch with you so they can learn more about you, learn more about your book, and uh, visit your website and contact you? Sure. So um, I'll go ahead and I'll include the um, the website um, in, in the notes there so they can visit me. Also, I recommend people reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn, uh, Professor Pete Alexander, and that's a great place to, to, to find me as well. Awesome. Well, thank you, Professor Pete, for being today with me in this episode. Actually, I feel like we have a lot of things to talk about, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll have we're like-minded. <laughs> yeah, we have to end here, but very amazing information you shared with us today. Amazing. 
stories and examples. Thank you for being here today with me on this episode of the Success Secret Podcast. Well, it's been my pleasure, Hussein. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And I also thank all of your listeners for their time as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.